From South Bend, Indiana, I'm Jacob Titus, and this is South Bend on Purpose. Welcome to episode two of season five of South Bend on Purpose. We are joined today by Mayor James Mueller and, of course, co-host Dustin Mix. Welcome to the podcast, James. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're very excited about it. Have you have you done many podcasts before? I've done a couple, and I'm I'm really glad that uh, we waited till season five, episode two, to <laughs> to bring me on this one. Yeah, yeah. You were just uh, you were sitting there in like season two, like how have they? <laughs> I'm missed? waiting for the call. I, I've been waiting for an invitation. for, yeah. for a while now. How have they missed the, the director of community investment? That's right. That's right. Big mistake, <laughs> James. Uh, what's a typical day uh, looking like for you right now? Well, right now, the typical day is starting to get back into uh, what we would have thought a typical day in the mayor, in the life of a mayor would be. Uh, now that we're coming out of the pandemic, uh, invitations are, are uh, flying in and, mm. and we're going out and about uh, town. Typical day over the past year uh, looked very different and was much like, uh, I think, the experience of everyone else. A lot of time spent on Zoom, and uh, we are all Zoomed out at this point. Yeah, yeah. So you're going into the office every day? Yeah, we went every. I went in every day through the pandemic okay. with, with a core team. So I was at least able to get into the office, but then any meetings with uh, or, or conversations with uh, people outside of the immediate team uh, had to be done over Zoom. So yeah. been going in, but uh, yeah, now excited to be able to go other places too. Yeah. When, oh, I'm trying to think back, like when did it occur to you all in the city's office that this was going to be like a thing? Because obviously like it was, you know, March-ish when it really hit nationally and even at the state level. But I'm curious when you guys started to think about it at a city level. Well, we, we started getting uh, the, the reports in February that it's coming and, and it could be big. But, uh, you know, you always hope I remember when the swine flu uh, was going through and people were worried about it, and then it turned out not to be um, catastrophic or, or leading to closure. So mm. I don't think no one really knew exactly how bad it was going to be then, but it, we were on alert uh, in February, and then early March is when uh, things got uh, even before you know all the closures and things. That I'd say the first week of March was when uh, you know you're really starting to think through it and. At that time, you know, thankfully it didn't turn out as bad. It could have been a lot worse. And, uh, you know, there were thoughts that, you know, if it had been two or three times as deadly, um, that would have completely overwhelmed uh, all of our systems. So there were some morbid conversations that, that we were having to have to thinking if this wave does come and, and uh, the, the death toll does uh, pile up, what do we do? Um, and so, yeah, I, early March was when it got uh, real. And then obviously, the world uh, quickly yeah. uh, learned too, <laughs> and that was a grand total of like six weeks into your into your term, six to eight weeks, something like about that. About it, yeah. So we start, started hearing about it, uh, you know, thinking about it four to six weeks in, and then yeah, eight eight to ten weeks, we're already uh, beginning the longest uh, emergency in in our city's history, I believe. Mm. Wow, yeah, that's early to get started. <laughs> Welcome to being mayor. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm curious too, because a lot of the campaign 
because you spent the better part of 2019 working towards it. And a lot of it was, you know, the messaging of like building on our progress and, and a lot of things were going well in South Bend. And I'm assuming that also had like a big like impact on your decision to run in the first place. So I'm curious like where your head was at four to six weeks. And it's like basically everything I thought this thing might be, at least in the first part of it is out the window. We have something else to deal with now. And I'm only assuming that's an interesting conversation now too, as you come back out of it. But I'm just curious, like personally where your head was at in, in finding yourself there a month to two months into your term. Yeah, it's like a, a basketball coach that drew up the play and then uh, looks at the play. It now looks at the situation, looks at the play, and has to throw the clipboard, you know, out mm. and, and uh, do something else. So, um, yeah, it, it became the primary focus. Everything else really was secondary for for a long time, and uh, that that definitely wasn't the plan. Uh, you know, I didn't run on a, a once in a century pandemic or or hey. Hey, uh, South Bend, we're, we're going to, uh, you know, have have a stay at home for two months and then uh, not be able to see each other for, you know, nearly a year in, in for for large gatherings. So, yeah, that was not that was not at all part of the plan. And uh, but, you know, we did know that uh, from the economy side of it, we did anticipate that there might be a turn a downturn uh, during this term mm. because we had just enjoyed one of the longest expansions uh, throughout the 2010s uh, that as a country. So uh, we did anticipate that, but, you know, this is this was like turning off the economy uh, just like with a switch, which mm. I don't think that had ever been done before. Were there things either about being in the job or things you wanted to do with the job that were particularly kind of hard to lose when you think back to when you start to realize I'm not going to be able to do what we're kind of setting out to do. Were there, were there any like specific things that were just kind of, I guess maybe painful in a way to, to lose? Well, you know, we, uh, like I said, part of being mayor really is about getting out there and talking to people. So, mm. you know, especially this is the first year uh, of mm. my turn. You try to come out of the, come out of the gate strong. And so, uh, you know, we wanted to have, you know, a much stronger outreach effort and, and going door to door even uh, while being mayor. And that just wasn't possible. So that, that uh, you know, that was tough just because we were trying, we had this momentum and then, you know, you kind of got stalled there um, because of, of the distancing measures. But the other one is just the the uncertainty, you know, like like businesses and, and uh and the residents, the, the uncertainty of not just what's going to happen or how long the, the health crisis is going to go on, but also what's going to happen with the economy. What's, you know, from a city standpoint, what's going to happen to our revenues? You know, they, we had a, fortunately, we had a pretty good estimate in the end, but, uh, you know, the different scenarios that we were looking at were drastically different mm -hmm. uh, directions. So it could have gone any number of ways. And uh, when there's that much uncertainty, you can't say, uh, you know, let's, start investing in all the, you know, these other things are looking forward because you're, you're wondering what it's going to take just to keep the, the, the lights on, depending on, on which scenario uh, actually occurs. So, mm. you know, it did stall the ability to look farther ahead for, for a number of months. Mm. What did outside of, you know, going to the office, uh, 
what are some things just living in South Bend that you found yourself doing? Maybe things that you hadn't before or things that you had that just stayed consistent. Well, as you guys know, I, I uh, used to live right by Corby's, but uh, during the middle of the pandemic, uh, we uh, we made a move uh, to the other side of the river. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I hadn't gone inside a, a restaurant or, or a bar for, you know, the year for the most part. So, yeah. you know, just like everyone else, not being able to to go out and, and uh, grab uh, grab a meal with uh, friends or, or family and and, or have a drink with with friends or family that that kind of went by the wayside mm-hmm. of course the outside dining has uh, picked up a little bit which is great and i think that will last beyond the pandemic i think we've rediscovered the the value of of uh, outside uh, dining but uh, i think the thing that we did you know we started to do more of was just uh more outside activities so you know whether it's uh you know, it's not that we didn't use trails or, or things before the pandemic, but uh, there wasn't a lot to do, as, as uh, especially during the the worst of it. So, you know, that the trails and, and other outdoor uh, recreation activities, I'd say, were, were utilized a lot more by by me and and uh, many of the residents. I was yeah. about that the other day, like what the, both the pandemic and now coming out of it would have been like if you didn't have Howard Park. Like mm-hmm. as it stands today, because like every time I walk by there now, both not just Howard Park, but like the surrounding like Jefferson and that general area, it's just like there's a lot of people. Yeah, and like I, any I, time of the day. I don't have kids, but everybody that I know who does uh, spends a fair amount of time at Howard Park. Even and like they don't necessarily live downtown. Yeah, Howard Park was just uh, getting going. We Mayor Pete cut the the ribbon on the first part of it, mm-hmm. uh, end of his uh, end of his term, so ice end of 20, 2019, and we made it through an ice skating season uh, for the mo- more or less, and then that's when the the shutdown came. So yeah, Howard Park is. I mean, the the fact that we've invested so much into our parks and trails over the past few years, um, I don't know what. <laughs> You know, it, it, our residents may not have met such a, a great parks and trail system. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably still would have gone out because, again, what else are, are people going to do? But I don't think they would have uh, met the same quality and, and uh, infrastructure that, that we that we have now. So mm. not that we were anticipating a, a pandemic when when uh, <laughs> when I was working with Aaron Perry at right. the parks uh, to to develop a plan for this but uh you know it it's it was great that we were had that in place uh when it hit Hmm. yeah and i can only imagine that that's going to i'm at least from like my personal experience even now as uh i've gotten back to some ways of spending time that i couldn't before i'm still using the parks and the trails more than i ever was before just i got used to that being a part of life when that was like one of the few things you could do. Yeah, I think, and, and I hope that we, we bring a lot of the lessons that we've learned over the last year and, and bring it forward as, as uh, we are able to return to uh, life as we knew it normal before. So yeah, yeah it seems kind like- of blend the two, uh, what we did before and, and uh, the good things that, that happened over the past year. Yeah. It seems like the outdoor dining is one of the ways that that's really showing up at least right now as restaurants right now are starting to, as some have already set 
their outdoor dining up. And some of them, they have dining that they didn't before. And some, it has grown. Like I think about like a, a fat bird obviously wasn't open prior to the pandemic, but tapestry had like a very small outdoor space on the east side of the building there. But now Fatbird has wrapped it around the entire building the last few nights. That's just been full. Fiddlers has kind of taken over part of that parking lot. The Crooked U now has opened a big like outdoor space. It seems like, um, and even like smaller places in outside of downtown that you wouldn't have normally thought to be setting up outdoor spaces are starting to is um i know that the some of that has had to do with city regulation is that right with like changing some of like what's allowed there yeah this so you know the sidewalk cafes are are part are moving into public right away so they are and have been regulated by by uh, yeah city rules but uh, yeah so we're trying to figure out how can we be flexible while still protecting the the reasons why we're, we're regulating so making sure that the public right away um, stays accessible for those who need them and uh, and and but at the same time we want to make the the process as streamlined as possible so mm. one thing is they would uh, restaurants would have to apply every year um, even if it's exact same design and exact same mm. um, place so the uh, one one of the reforms was you know if you're going to do the same thing you don't need to apply for a permit every year maybe you, you can have it two years mm. uh, or have you need some regular update to make sure that that uh, it's complying with with all the rules and regulations but we don't want to make it burn somewhere where there's this process that's holding things up other piece of, of the reform was um you know there, there was a limit at which um you you had to bring your cafe in like i think it was September or October, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we learned that, that, uh, you know, people were willing you know, and sometimes the weather cooperated that you could go into November. So that, that seems best to, to leave it to, um, you know, that, that's not something that the city should necessarily be dictating. If there's still good weather to have outdoor dining, uh, later in the year, that's something that we want to be open to. So those are some of the, the changes that, that we've made. And, and, uh, then part of the hit refresh, uh, is, you may have seen uh, involved like, trying out the the what they're called parklets or the mm-hmm. the uh, space uh, inside parking spaces uh, on the street. Tell me more about that because when you say hit refresh, I think of the umbrellas. Well, it was yeah, I, I, maybe the the branding didn't quite uh, work as we thought, but it was part of, of a coordinated effort to get the people back out uh, as we were. Yeah. As, as the vaccines were getting deployed and, and the weather was warming up, it was how do we get people, how do we attract people and, and get them out to, to do stuff again in, in a safe manner? So it, it is the, the Studebaker Plaza was yeah. maybe the one of the more visible ones with, with the, the bright umbrellas but and the, the live music and, yeah. and other things. But it was also the trying out the, the creative, how do we expand our, our outside dining experience particularly in areas where, where the sidewalks just aren't big enough or. And is that what, um, like what's happening outside of like the hammer and quill right now in the street? Yeah. So that's, uh, outside chicory, outside hammer and yeah. quill, outside, uh, Taqueria, Chicago. Um, and I think there are more on the way as well. That's awesome. Cause that the, the first time I walked past that kind of being constructed outside of hammer and quill on it, it's very surprising. It's not the kind of site that you see in South Bend. 
Yeah. Now, obviously, we you know if if this takes off long term, we try to make it not have the boulders and, and the. <laughs> you know, but we did have to. We we wanted to maintain safety yeah. uh, in this trial. So um, you know that's that's what for a temporary measure that that's what uh, what the team came up with. But yeah, I mean, again, safety first. Uh, you're now that much closer to traffic, and so you do need to have the, those. Uh, some level of barricades and protection from, from if a car happens to to run into it but yeah other other than the other than the safety measures it, it's great is some of this um it seems to me that some of this like uh being able to use those parking spaces like that being able to expand some of this outdoor dining in some way that like the smart streets has given us some of these options in the way that we like decreased you know some of the amount of the street that's just restricted for cars and we've made the sidewalks a little bit bigger we've added some of this on-street parking even though these things weren't necessarily in mind when that was being done that's kind of afforded us some of these options to make the streets more usable for people in this way does that does that seem right yeah i mean this is part of i think what south bend and, and other cities are are understanding and if you look at successful city, cities that have lasted the test of time uh, they're accessible to people, and uh, the in the U.S. Uh, we we've been so focused on accommodating cars uh, that our infrastructure over the years came to reflect that that the car was the was primary, but uh, we're ultimately people, and, and successful cities really cater to to what the people want to experience, and hmm. they don't necessarily want to experience uh, highways in the middle of their city and and they want to have more space to to be um, and not be restricted to to narrow corridors while, while cars uh, you know fly by right well they, they might want to experience a monorail though i mean <laughs> the people are speaking i can't i yeah we'll have to do a <laughs> poll on that and see uh, exactly how many people are are looking for a monorail we've talked about that you spend most of the time going into the office with like a small group of people, but most of the, obviously, you know, lots of these people, they don't like to report directly to you, but they do work for you. How did you go about even like, I guess you, you probably knew a lot of people working for you because you've worked in the city, but how did you go about starting to kind of be the mayor to a staff that's sitting at home around the city? Yeah, that's uh <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, it it did help that uh, I had known a lot of the a lot of the folks in the city from from my my previous uh, positions, but yeah, we sent uh, most people that who those who could work from home uh, did work from home for for much of the past year. You know, they they've come in sporadically when the when the cases went down last summer, uh, before the big spike uh, last fall, and then um, now they're they've been coming back here with the vaccine deployment but yeah a large part of the the, the city workforce that that isn't uh, that's able to work from home uh, haven't seen a lot of them in person uh, mm. until you know the last couple of weeks to um, so yeah that that's a challenge uh, as, as much as being able to not meet the, the challenge of not being able to meet with residents and, and go to different events um, just as an employer not being able to meet with with your team. Uh, it presents challenges as well, and you know, Zoom Zoom helps, uh, but it's no replacement for in person and 
meetings and and just the ability. You know, there's been different studies over the years about proximity, just physical proximity, mm. and uh, about different offices. So, you know, every floor that you go down in a in an office building, the the level of just chance encounters and uh, interactions decreases. And you know, there's been studies showing you know exactly how rapidly the the fall off happens. Now imagine if there is no you know you're all virtual. Everything has to be deliberate. So. Um, it's not like you have a chance encounter like, oh, there's this thing I need to talk to you about, you know, as you're you, you meet in the hallway. It just doesn't happen. And so then mm. do we have time to make a deliberate, you know, call or, or set up a time? And, you know, we're, there's a limit to how many of those you can do a day. Um, and so, so the, you know, and that also is an important part about having events. You run into people in the community that you, you need to talk to and, and uh, it's great to run into them and talk to them about it as opposed to like, okay, I got to get them on the schedule now and, and try to, to get a hold of them. So, right. Yeah. Which it makes me think about you talked earlier about some of the, like one of the hardest things that you lost is that ability to like go, yeah. Talk to people, be out at events. You talked about potentially going like door to door, not campaigning, but as like the sitting mayor, I'm sure that you're, no stranger to this, but like the most, I think the most consistent critique that I hear about your time so far is this lack of visibility. And I'm sure that you, I'm sure that you've heard this and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I think I've gone back and forth on how I think about this at times I've kind of shared in that critique. And at times I, I wonder if obviously COVID has played a significant role in that. I also wonder about thought about kind of what what should be expected you're you're following up a particularly visible mayor who um i think has kind of given us a a vision of a mayor that maybe isn't even exactly what we need in terms of visibility we don't we might not need our mayor to write a book uh and travel about but I'm curious your thoughts on that. Do you think that's a do you think it's a fair critique? Yeah, I mean, so obviously not being able to go to events uh, that that reduces your visibility. Like if you you know in a normal course of a year without a pandemic, you you get invitations to all sorts of things where mm-hmm. you would see all sorts of people all the time. So not having those those opportunities to to engage the the community um, that certainly had an impact. But as you said, you know. Following up from from Mayor Pete, he he was a very uh, visible uh, mayor, and, and uh, he's a very visible presidential candidate, and he's a very visible Secretary <laughs> of Transportation. Uh, I don't it's like magic. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, so you know what what did uh, Secretary Fox do in the Obama years? Did you you know how many people know who Secretary Fox uh, was? Yeah. Um, but was he, uh, you know, is that the model of, of Secretary of Transportation or, you know, Pete, obviously, uh, where he goes, he, he brings a lot of visibility. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, I think that's part of it. Um, I think the other part of it is, uh, and this may be uh, I, trying not to betray my my generation. I'm, a, I'm on the elder part of uh, millennial, uh, but I don't. I, I'm not in the social media uh, to to the extent that uh, some people are, mm. and uh, social media seems to draw. You know, it's like, well, where are you? You know, the people who are wondering. I think the people who are saying, 
you know, where's the mayor or the visibility are people who are used to seeing things on social media. Yeah, I think because that's right. you know traditional media. I, I've never during this job, even during the pandemic, I've never said there's a lack of uh, visibility or uh, uh, opportunities to to you know get messages out mm. um, as, as mayor. So you know, and, and you look at just the region. You know, just if you look at traditional media, um, you know, I feel like the mayor of South Bend is in the news, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a newspaper or or, or TV or um, you know a lot more than. Than, than mayor peers in the region. So, uh, yeah. So I think part of it's following up on Pete. Part of it's that uh, you know, and we'll, we'll do we'll do more social media. Uh, it's also not as exciting to do social media when everyone's just uh, sitting. Social media also is driven by uh, you know things happening, and so if you don't have things happening, that that makes it tougher to. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm not saying social social media went on during the mm-hmm. pandemic, but uh, sometimes it gets to be a very dark place. So. Uh, I don't necessarily always embrace that, but I, I will give the the anecdote. I, I remember uh, on the campaign early on, uh, you know, campaign manager was telling me you got to do more. So you know, you got to post everywhere you go, and I'm like, I, you know, I I don't like social media, so you know, <laughs> I, I pushed back, and uh, and so, but it was like we were going to everything, but I would hear from supporters saying, "Where are you? Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you going to stuff?" And then literally, we just did a couple posts a week. And all this, the the clamor, where are you, went away. Mm. And so mm. the power of social media is uh, just, at least for the people who are, and I think it is a social me- media mentality is, where are you? What are you, you know, what's, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on? So I do think it's that. And, and you know, I'd be the first to, to say that uh, I don't always think that social media is healthy uh, mm-hmm. for, for, uh, for us. So. We'll balance it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and it seems like there's like a, there's like the reality of where you're at. Then there's like the narrative being formed probably by a very small group of people on like layered on top of that. And then there's the response. Like it just, it seems like it dwindles actually in size of the number of people, but it like blows up in terms of like the narrative, which might not be reflective. Yeah. I'm I'm curious about this. You well, here's the other. I mean, just to to go, you know, it, it, to piggyback on that. It, it, the amazing thing is, you'll see a comment saying like, "Where's the you know?" It's like, "Where's the mayor been?" And it's like, sometimes the same person will make that comment three times in the same week, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Where have I been?" You've already commented that three times this week. So you know how you know just the disconnect between where where we are and uh, you know the narrative mm. and it's also uh you know as as mayor there better or worse people you know some people want to you know take shots at you and, and some people uh you know are, are are you know a lot of people are supportive but other people want to take shots at you and so um you know if this seems to be a narrative that that the people who want to take shots at at me uh have, have developed and and want to push but uh, again, if you know, if I'm not doing anything or if I'm not out there, I don't know that there would be, uh, you know, the motivation to take shots at someone. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't take shots at someone you, you don't see or know about. Mm. Uh, so, I, you know, this, like I said, this is something that will we'll balance going forward. But uh, um, I, I do think it's indicative of where we are uh, with with the social media age. So you. Obviously, being chief of staff and then working in the community investment office, like you've been close to the mayoral job, about as close as you can get. 
I'm curious, like, what are, has there been anything surprising you've learned about the job now that you've been sitting in the seat for over a year? Yeah, you know, I, I think it started to come uh, when I moved to the campaign. The campaign year did help make that transition because um, a lot of the lessons I learned on the campaign you can you can then bring into the the mayor's office. So you know, I'd say being mayor is a combination between being a candidate and then uh, you know the the, chief, the the knowledge and the ability to, to drive stuff as chief of staff. So it's kind of a, a balance of those two uh, functions, which is great because that that prepared me uh, well for the job having done having done both. Because you, you have a lot of you know politicians who are really good at campaigning, then they get in the job. And, uh, you know, now, like, how do we actually drive, drive the agenda we talked about? Um, so, you know, but from the campaign and, and even now, you know, there are times where it may go to the visibility thing. But, uh, you know, people are saying, like, what does the mayor think about X? And, you know, I, I say, well, this isn't in my purview. You know, like, as a mayor, I don't have, you know, any, on some issues, I don't have any, actual uh, authority or or uh, or ways to even address it uh, just based off of where i am in in the government system or, or in the community but uh, but people want to know it, that's something that's taken me a, a mm. while to to understand people want to know what does the mayor think about about you know basically everything i think you know it's, mm. and and i don't know uh you know, what, what, uh, exactly what that's about. I think it's just to try to, they want to, people want to know, um, who, who's, you know, what goes through the, the mind of, uh, the person making important decisions for the community. Yeah. And it does seem to me that, I mean, yeah, for better, or for worse, people in a state of, uh, if, if things are in a state of disarray and we don't know exactly what to make of things, we, we are going to look for someone you being mayor, I think ends up being kind of the natural someone um, in a lot of those conversations for people to want to know what you think, either to kind of mirror that themselves or to, or as a, like kind of a launch pad for a critique. Does that seem right? Yeah. I, I but that's probably, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, and, there's and different that, reasons yeah, why people want. Oh, to of, know course, of course. Of yeah. course. I mean, especially, you know, we, we live in, uh, unfortunately, very polarized times. And so there's very different, I mean, sometimes, and I'm a, you know, as a mayor, you have to be pragmatic. You have to work to get things done. And, you know, compared to a member of Congress who can afford to be on one side or the other on a poll, you know, reality is usually some some combination of, you know, there's insight from both sides. And, and obviously there's a number of uh, people that represent both sides of, of of some of these issues. And so you've got to figure out how to, how to move forward as, as together as possible. You know, it's just became how, how do we become so polarized about a mask Mm. and, you know, you have it both sides, right? I mean, one is like, you, you know, you can never, you know, not wear a mask, you know, it's like, you're not wearing it right. You know, there's kind of like the policing on on one side. And then there's the side that says, I'm never wearing, you know, this is, this is made up and, and there are mm-hmm. rules. So this is on something that this is, you know, this shouldn't be, this wasn't a controversial subject uh, before last year. This just popped up and became a, a polarizing issue. And, you know, to the other extent is like, 
we've require shoes when you, you know, the health department requires people to wear shoes when you go into a, a restaurant. Um, you're, you wear a seatbelt, uh, when you drive your car. So there are a lot of things that, that are, are there for public safety that, that the government has a role. I didn't hear them saying free us from seat belts and, and shoes, but free us from the masks. Um, so there was that debate. And then when we got, it, it carried on to, even though we were making good progress on the vaccine, uh, this spring, you know, we, we had an ordinance, the county had placed an ordinance to, uh, you know, find businesses who, who weren't following the, the mandate and that was coming due. Um, and so we had this debate again and, you know, it's, we absolutely have to wear masks, even, at, you know, even though we're making progress and versus, you know, we've been, you know, we've been held down too long, like in this tyranny. Now we got to, you know, let us not wear masks anymore. So that was the that was still the debate, and and uh, you know the nuance that gets lost. You know, if we're not using the enforcement mechanism for like, you know, I think uh, the the team that we put together with the county and health officials, uh, we all agreed we should be wearing masks as long as as the the CDC and, and public health experts say to do so. But uh, where we had a little nuance was if we're not going to enforce the mandate. Do we want to go through a big fight about extending a mandate that we're not even using its powers? So, you know, a mandate without enforcement is a strong recommendation by by any other name. Mm. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> try to in a polarized environment, you know, having that conversation is very, you know, you just you get both sides saying like, you know, we, we don't need to wear masks. You know, the masks are made up. And then the other side saying, like, how dare you even think about uh you know, not having a mandate and, and uh, on the mask. So, you know, th- that's just, I mean, this is, this should have been a pretty easy, you know, I, of all things, this should have been an easy thing for us to come together on. And, uh, you know, so that on other issues that have been more uh, polarizing for some time or, or that there are actual, uh, you know, maybe more, more individual issues at stake, um, you know, it, it just shows what, what kind of environment we're, we're working in. Mm. How do you deal with that person? Because it's got to be a pretty lonely spot to be the one who wants to be in the middle to say like both sides have some truth to it, but at the end of the day, like I'm kind of responsible for like the reality on the ground. So like we're going to have to make some decisions. We're going to have to get some things done. I'm just curious, like how do you, it seems like that's a lot to Cause like to if, come together in one. Yeah. If I can add to that a little bit, it, it seems like there's a little bit of like converging things there where um, if you don't, if you don't feel so inclined to kind of stake a hard ground on like the far end of either of these, um, then what, what would you post on social media? I guess is what I, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not a, a exactly a place for nuance, um, where that's going to thrive in any way. Um, yeah, good, and, good governing doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's a challenge that we have. Yeah. Unless you make that bumper sticker. <laughs> there you go. That's right. That's right. Good um, governing doesn't fit on a bumper sticker. Yeah, I mean that's the you know that that's just again a challenge. I think it, what we talked about earlier the social media age, but uh, uh, yeah, being you know the compromise or, or what we think is the best uh, path forward to to move the community forward is oftentimes uh, when we're living in a polarized both both sides are gonna 
are, are not going to be happy. And, you know, on the <laughs> on the, the the mask issue a couple months ago, uh, you know, I I saw we saw some uh, polling data and it was just joked that, uh, well, we took the least popular uh, position out of all of them. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> so there weren't many people who were who were trying to, to think about, you know, or, but here's the thing. People most people are going about their day. And and this is something that I think has been been lost about uh, our form of government. We have representational government where repre- we elect we the people elect uh people to do this full time and to really dig in and, and, and work through the details. Now we live in an age where, uh, you know, there, there's a, not a lot of trust in our institutions, not a lot of trust in our elected leaders. And, and, you know, it seems like, uh, the idea of governing by the people, people want to move to, you know, a more direct democracy or, or American idol style democracy, where everyone, you know, you get the vote uh, mask. Yes. That mass vote. No, there, there's no, uh, in between, so, yeah, that that's a that that is the challenge. Is you know when we're at an age where where there's not trust in in our institutions, um, you know, how do we make good decisions that don't fall on the bumper one of the bumper stickers? You know, pick a side. Which bumper sticker do you want? No masks, mask forever. You know, mask mandate. Right. Um, that's. That wasn't necessarily the the full range of choices, and not necessarily, um, you know, what what uh, you know we didn't think we wanted to devolve into that conversation uh, about a mandate that we weren't using anyway. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, we supported the the masks uh, continuing, and so it, in the end, it wasn't. There's just a lot of you know, we get a lot of sometimes we get a lot of fuss when there's not that much disagreement, you know. Mm-hmm. The the wedges that get driven between nuanced differences, I, I just don't, I mean, it's not healthy, obviously, because the wedges are just dividing us unnecessarily when we agree on, on so much. Mm-hmm. Do you see things right now in South Bend that there is a shared understanding that's kind of anchoring people in what it means to be a person living in South Bend in 2021? It's, uh, you know, we, <laughs> South Bend is not immune from, from, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the forces that, that are mm-hmm. pushing us I- into different camps, but, uh, we are a small, a small enough community where we can break through it more than I think, uh, at the, certainly at the national level. Mm-hmm. Um, so local communities and communities like South Bend, we're able to, to break through that. And, and I do think, um, you know, that, that's the challenge ahead of us is, how do we come up with that that shared understanding? And uh, you know, you, you could look at the police issues, and you know, we won't go too far to this, but there there are very strong camps on that, and and there there's a lot of uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, there, it's there's nothing clear cut when you have two very separate mm. uh, uh, sides. You know, you've got to try to figure. Out. I mean, that's just what like can if everyone would just try to say instead of you know, yelling or calling the other side names, they just, if they just took a step back and said, why might they think this way? Just ask the question, why might the other side think the way they do? If everyone just started to think about that, I do think, you know, maybe, oh, they're not just crazy. They're not just, you know, if they, if this is their experience, if this is what they think it is, then, oh, I get why they're saying this and vice versa. So, 
Um, yeah, I don't know how to, you know, that, that's something that, that, that I encourage and, and hope to try, try to, uh, uh, you know, as the mayor of the city, try to bring different perspectives, uh, you know, try to get both sides to understand uh, different perspectives. And I'm saying both sides, you know, there's, there's, it's not like one, you know, two sides, there's multi sides uh, sometimes, but, uh, you know, making sure that everyone's perspective is heard and, and to the extent that we can get each, each side to understand the other's uh, side point of view, um, that's healthy. And, and that's really what, what I think is what our system of government uh, is about. And when it's being successful, that, I mean, that's, that's when it's being successful, that's what has to happen. People have to have those debates of different perspectives, and uh, but there has to be an appreciation uh, of uh, opposing perspectives. Hmm. How do you think that happens on like the policing, for example? Are there ways in the last couple of years, as you've you know been involved in, in different roles, that you've seen any of that happen in any in any good ways? Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're we're a, a small enough community, so you can get a lot of the the most vocal people on every side together in a room outside of a pandemic. But in in normal times, mm-hmm. uh, you can bring people together. And you can have a, an exchange of ideas and people in those contexts, a lot of times people do walk away with a better appreciation for the, what's going on mm. in, you know, on, whether it's what's going on uh, on the officer side or, or what's going on in, in our in our community. So but, you know, <laughs> it uh, doesn't seem like a controversial a statement to say like our, our officers are public servants. They they you don't no one goes into that job uh it's a difficult job no one goes into that job without the uh, the intention of of wanting to serve their community hmm. and uh that sometimes gets lost uh in uh, in the debate is like these are these are public servants um who have a tough job now you know obviously we know that that uh, over time uh and uh you know there no, the, first of all there's no system we're never going to get a perfect system there's there's always going to be something that happens, no matter what, no matter you know how good of a place we get to. There's, there's, we're never going to be perfect. There's always going to be something that doesn't work uh, exactly right. But the key is we're all trying to work toward, um, you know, getting to a perfect. We're working toward the ideal, and, and we'll continue to make progress. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, that's just. Uh, you know, we, we, we know there needs to be, I mean, and this is not a police issue. This is a society issue. We know there needs to be uh, continued efforts to, to address uh, racial equity. I mean, this, that should, and, and I know that's, that sometimes gets to be supercharged uh, uh, of an issue. And, and that's the, the challenge is how do we reach, how do we reach uh, those who, who don't see that and don't, don't understand that that's still an issue that that we need to be working on. Mm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I I do think we you know we can make uh, we can make progress, but it really it comes down to getting people like we said earlier. Just you've got to try to understand the other side. I mean, if if you're not even open, if you're just going to dismiss the the other side, uh, or you know they use a couple. The problem then is they're they're trigger words. So even if if you're in a conversation. One says, you know, they, they use things that they've heard. All of a sudden, it shuts down. Uh, you know, it it, it, it kind of shuts down the openness uh, of of the exchange of ideas. So, um, you know, I try to 
<laughs> you you try to avoid uh, you know words that that uh, that invoke those kind of strong polarizing uh, reactions. Uh, but at times, sometimes it, it it's just hard. Um, you know, you're, you're explaining it as you see it, and and you know even you know I like I said I'm trying. You try to bring people together, but you know even I probably have in, in certain issues. You know maybe. I'm, you know, closer to one side than the other. And, and, you know, you have to manage that as well. Mm. Yeah. It does seem like the pandemic took away a little bit of like that advantage of a smaller community, right? Like where you can physically put people in the same space and or just like having to run into people at, you know, X event or, and if you don't have that connection, it's way easier to be polarized too, because you don't have to like, actually sit in the same room or be in the same space as anybody, which I would assume outside the pandemic is actually an advantage of South Bend because, you know, it's not that big of a city in terms of proximity to other people who may not agree with you. I've been thinking about this some because after I was kind of weirdly lucky to get vaccinated pretty early on. So I've been vaccinated for a little while. And after that was able to start spending some time at local places that I hadn't been in a long time. And, uh, one one such place um if i was to if i was to kind of generalize it's probably uh of the conservative persuasion that we were spending some time at and some of the people that i would go with are definitely far to the other direction uh but we've spent an entire year not being around people generally not being around definitely not around people who disagree with us politically and most of then the political discourse we get is on Twitter and it's um, just, you know, massively retweeted bombs, uh, word bombs. But I've grown up here and generally find, you know, people are, you can get along with people. Most people don't want to talk about politics all the time in South Bend and places like this in the middle of the country. But my friends who, some of my friends who are like farther left came away from some of these experiences being like, man, that, uh, that was really easy to like get to know people and to talk to them. And, uh, we didn't even talk about politics. And I was like, yeah, that's like the least surprising thing that you've, you've said because we're, we're having a good time. We live in the same city. We live a couple minutes from each other. We disagree vastly politically. Um, but, uh, the bar on Friday night is not exactly where people are, are looking to do that. And and there's lots of other things that we can talk about, but it seems like something that we've completely like those muscles have just atrophied so much in the last year uh, that we kind of um, lose all sort of like benefit of the doubt of people. And we kind of can build these kind of specters of uh, political people in our mind. Yeah, caricatures, really. I mean, yeah. you, you forget everyone is, uh, we're all people. We're all human beings, and and uh, you may disagree strongly. And, 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 you know, this, you know, for what the left is just as guilty of this as the, the right um, of dismissing others. Two questions. What's, what are you enjoying most about the job, especially maybe now that things are starting to pick up a little bit? And what do you find like motivating about the job so far? Well, you know, we've the past few weeks have been great. Just the the weather's warmed up. The the vaccine now we can and with the CDC guidance of, of not having to wear masks if you're vaccinated. Um, that's been great. Just breaking out in that way, and that co- coincided with 
a lot of different events happening. So we've, uh, a lot of things have been building up, you know, or, or postponed until the weather got warmer or, or we got to this point. So mm. we've had a lot of good, like celebrations and, and seeing people that I hadn't been able to see uh, for a, for a long time, um, that's been great. And and getting more of that going um, will be will be exciting and, and really exciting for any mayor, I think. But uh, particularly after the year we've had, um, the the rewarding parts though is just we're at a moment where you know the and, and it's really the reason why I ran for mayor is South Bend is is really at a moment where it could still go any number of ways. And, uh, you know, it's, we're not, uh, we, we weren't set up to, you know, be destined to continue, uh, a, a positive trajectory. Um, but we're not condemned to, to go back to, uh, a negative trajectory. So, um, we really have an opportunity here in, in the next couple years or, or, you know, three to five years to solidify a positive trajectory. Uh, for South Bend that, that, uh, you know, I hope will extend through, through my lifetime and, and beyond. Um, so that's why I ran for mayor. And that's the moment now that we're, you know, the, the pandemic was a little, uh, blip, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see that as a blip in, in the trajectory of our city. Um, but we're now in that we're in the same moment we were, uh, in, in many ways when, when I took office and, and, and it's why I ran for mayor. And that's what, that's what excites me every day is, Let's can do everything we can to transform South Bend to to the community we want it to be. Uh, communities like South Bend, uh, the pandemic exposed some of the challenges of, of uh, the bigger the bigger cities, and so we've seen a lot of people taking looks at cities like South Bend and and here, uh, particularly of people wanting to move to South Bend because of the the quality of life, the balance of life here. So. I gather that you're feeling hopeful. You have to be hopeful, right? I mean, it's a, you know, I, I will say the, the, there were days where there were dark days during the pandemic and, uh, both personally and, and, uh, from, you know, from the, the city standpoint as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it really did turn and it was the start of spring uh, as well as the, the rescue plan, uh, the American rescue plan when it got passed, uh, because it just, it brought back, like we are going to, it brought back that sense of hope that we are going to tackle the big things. We are Mm -hmm. going to be able to, we're, yeah, I mean, in, in, you know, the vaccines, you know, it's like we were getting news, good news every couple of weeks at the beginning of the year, like, well, now we're going to have this many doses, and now we're going to have enough doses by May for every for every uh, American. Um, so, you know, if we're, if we're not hopeful at this point in time, I mean, we have to be hopeful. I mean, there's so many things that so many opportunities that we can take advantage of, um, and and we know, you know, we you can dwell on the the challenges and the problems, but when you see uh, when you see the opportunities, uh, it you know that's what we got to focus on, and that's. I hope everyone will be hopeful um, when they see them. Are there specific kind of moments or activities you see uh, in the upcoming year that you're particularly excited about that maybe you haven't experienced in the last year? Well, you know, I'm excited to get uh, get even so, you know, all sorts of events 
I'm excited to have those events come back because, yeah. you know, at times you can say it drags it because there's so many events, you know, that you can be like, oh man, there's another event. But because we haven't had them, they're actually all, you know, it's all very appealing right now. But in particular, the city events. So, you know, having our best week ever come back, having our regular, mm. our regular flow of the year where it's this time of year, this season, and this is what we have. Because um, we haven't really experienced seasons in that way right now, right? Mm. The, the normal flow of the year was completely disrupted, mm. you know, um, and and I hope uh, out of uh, coming out of this year and as we go forward, there'll be even more events that we haven't seen before. So you know maybe maybe we'll have an Oktoberfest uh, type celebration in, in South Bend uh, on a scale that's different than before, or you know maybe we'll have uh, some sort of uh, you know Christmas type market or something. You know just different things to, to celebrate uh, uh, different seasons. Mm. Um, and that's what I'm excited about getting it, getting back to a, a full and, and the normal like year. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, and now I'm wondering what season is burger society? Is that a specific all seasons, all seasons. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, we tried it in the worst season last year. That's true. That's true. Was that the cold and rainy like, season? Literally. Yeah. Uh, cold rainy. I think we even had snow. It rained for the first one and we were all outside for that one. And then it snowed for the second one and we were inside outside with a bunch of fires outside. Yeah. So who knows what would happen if you did it in, you know, reasonable weather. It seems like the sort of thing that we should do, uh, in reasonable weather. I, I am, I'm, uh, I'm now realizing there's going to be, there's like, with some of these moments, there's a little bit of lag because of planning that it takes for these sorts of things. So like the Memorial day parade isn't happening this year. Right. Which is at this point, something that, you know, planning aside, it could happen this year, but it takes a long time to plan those things. So I think it's going to be like next year before we get back to that. Um, Fully. Yeah. Yeah. But that to me, like you're talking, I hadn't really thought about it that way that, you there are certain things that happen at certain times in the year that kind of help us understand and like kind of root ourselves in the passage of time in this specific city and like that's one for me the memorial day parade um that maybe we'll just have to do our own yeah we haven't had a parade while i've been mayor we the saint patrick's day parade last year was right. we were debating it you know, mm. and uh, it was outside. You know, we went through all the different iterations. It's outside. You know, is, is this? You know, how bad is this going to be? But ultimately, uh, the decision was made to to cancel it, and mm. and that was one of that was um, during the wave of the first cancellations and, and closures. Um, so we didn't have a St. Patrick's Day parade last year. We didn't have it this year. We didn't have the Memorial Day parade last year. And, are you, and we're not going to have it this year. What's the job of a mayor if you haven't been in a parade yet? That's right. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, other... I, I have to make up for lost time uh, next year. If any other mayors are, are watching from a distance and they're like, you know, hearing the visibility critique, they're like, well, I can tell you while that's happening. No, no parades. No parades. <laughs> no parades, that's right. <laughs> you should just start hosting your own. You and, yeah, you and, you and Kelly... You just call it a parade, yeah. walking down the sidewalk. That's right. Well, we'll, we'll hope uh, a lot of people show up to, to join in that parade, <laughs> the June parade. <laughs> Which also reminds me, you got you got married this year. Yeah, during yeah. all of this. Yeah, been quite a year. Yeah. 
Yeah, pandemic wedding, uh, it, it simplifies <laughs> it. The the guest list was uh, short, uh, yeah. close uh, uh, family members. And so I think we had 20, 25, 26 uh, guests, yeah. all in all. And you were outside? We were outside, yeah. Here wow. in the city, right? Married in the city. Yeah, on, on the island at the Century Center. Is there is there a new slogan on the way? I've thought about that. I don't know what the you know the the problem about building on the progress is uh, when you're as as mayor you're that's that's what you're doing each and every day. You're trying right. to find uh, how to build off of, of strengths and how to how to uh, cover some some uh, weaknesses that are out there in our city. So mm. um, you know we'll, we'll we'll think about it. Uh, but yeah, nothing. It's you not- know if if there are suggestions uh, from from you or the listeners, we we would love to. <laughs> To hear them, it sounded like we're we're circling around something with your your thoughts about the the many different options that we have as a city and our like trajectory. But I, I think trajectory might be a little tough for the for the stump speech. for the bumper sticker. Yeah, I think that that uh, and it's and it's not going to involve streetcars. Well, you know, you never say never, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, a conversation we'd have to have with uh, Secretary Pete. It's a <laughs> it's a lot of money, just like South Shore downtown. Uh, it, it hinges on on uh, what the federal government is is wanting to see and and what they're wanting to invest in. Yeah. Well, as far as this podcast is concerned, we don't want a street. We don't want streetcars. Are you going to start that uh, coalition, the the no streetcars? Uh? Well, I published a no streetcars post from somebody else last week. And so I, you know, I, I'm, I find that when I publish guests on the blog, people assume that it, they don't know. Uh, it's a many guest. people assume it's me. I try to make it as clear as possible that it's somebody else, but it just doesn't happen. So I think before putting that out, I decided that this, I was comfortable with being the no streetcars. Yeah, I, I did. I have, I am now realizing that, um, for a certain sect of people in South Bend, um, we are now the no Trader Joe's, no streetcars people. So yeah, that's um, so, yeah, I, I don't know the Trader Joe's. I wouldn't go against that crowd. That's a, got a very popular following. So yeah, I did. I think you didn't go so well. Yeah, I don't think that. He found out. Yeah, I don't, he could have told you that one. Uh, people are very excited, including myself to, to see that, that come. But yeah, I mean, not, to be clear, I'm not anti-Trader Joe's. It was a bit, it was a bit more nuanced than that, but it was quite, quite. Mis- oh, so nuance is no, hard, no hard to explain, nuance. isn't it? You can't yeah. be posting that stuff online yeah. if you got It was quite, it was quite misunderstood. So, yeah. <laughs> I've been having a debate with some people in South Bend about the, if you could, if we could wish into existence a new type of restaurant, like type of food that we don't have yet, what would it be? I'm curious if you have. I, Strong I, opinion. Yeah, I would love to see Ethiopian. Oh, that's uh, my number one too. To wow. open up. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. something that we just uh, we have nothing like it here, and would really be uh, great to have. Hmm. Comment. Comment from the crowd. International fuse. Our, our live studio I audience. Think, yeah. Think, yeah. Ethiopian food and Malawian food are are a little bit different. Interesting. Bit different. I could. Do you have I opinions could, on this? Jay? Well, I haven't really thought about this, so. Um, not the most coherent, but I don't feel that we have a good soup option, mm. um, which is not, I guess, a it, it's a kind of food, but it's not. Another one in the running for me, which is, this is a little bit of a, a nuanced opinion, because you can get this type of food, but we don't have like a Polish and or like 
German type restaurant where you could sit down and have that meal. Like you can go to a wedding, a funeral, dingus day, you name it, and get that kind of food. You gotta be careful with that. I'm telling Uh, you, man. Like like the skillet? Yeah, yeah, sure. But like most of the skillet, like it's a it's a wide ranging restaurant. Oh, you're saying like I want to walk in and like my options are Polish, 100. percent Like no colors whatsoever. <laughs> it's never. It's not going to be as good as anyone's like grandma. Sure. And so, you know, if she's going to make that after church on every Sunday, why am I going to your restaurant? Unless it's a coalition of the grandmas that started. There we go. When you were asking that question, I didn't know you were going to go to restaurants because I think there's another there's another potential hole in something that we're missing. It was it's been brought to my attention recently. Um, we published a story on the website yesterday, uh, first fiction story, a little surprising for me, but it's a story about the possibility of the the pumping station in Leaper Park as an aquarium. Wow. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you who, see who, a future? It, was that a, a Jake Titus uh, article or <laughs> was that write a contributor? It. Didn't write it. But same, contributor. same contributor as the streetcars but, situation. Yeah. I, you're probably getting more positive feedback about this one or? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, m- mostly positive. We did have the, the first comment on it was why fiction? It's like, well, I, Fair critique. Yeah, fair fair <laughs> critique. Do you, do you see a future where we get behind an aquarium? Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, you know, you think of the Hall of Fame as an aquarium too because most of the, you, you think of what do you do with uh, an exhibit building that's mostly underground uh, with no windows. And so uh, that was a thought for the Hall of Fame. Of course. Uh, was it? it? Well, I mean, I th- by a thought, you know, I don't want to get people excited. This wasn't like, I, there's no, there's this no was plan. Your there's, oh, okay. I was just, uh, you Title know, of podcasts. well, cause you, you, we've been thinking about uh, the future of the hall of fame for many years. And again, it's a, hall of it, fish. it has, uh, it has ramp. It was built as an exhibit. So there's, there's ramps. It's not a normal building totally, and it doesn't have a lot of windows because it was an exhibit. So it's, you know, mostly underground. So, uh, you know, it could make it a, a perfect aquarium. Now, uh, what does it take to, to uh, construct and operate uh, an aquarium in, in a city of our size, that remains to be seen, and those details, unfortunately, are not uh, worked out yet. I had never, I've never thought about that building being an aquarium, but that would be pretty great. Yeah, you take like the grass part in front and just make it like a glass top, huge tank underneath. I was going to say we take the, the the football field and turn it into um, like a public pool, pool. downtown mm. public pool. Could be. Swim amongst the fish. Okay, here's another. Here's another. While we're going on these ideas, well, well just spending money. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the city. The city. This was a long time ago. The city got rid of the the beach at Pinhook. This seems to be a gaping a gaping hole now in in our life in the city. Do you feel this? That is a landlocked city. We don't have a beach. We we have a river, and we did have a beach on it. I mean, it. Well, it's it's Pinhook, so it's not like. The river river it's you know yeah supplied by the river but if i want to you know if the people of south bend want to go to the beach now we have to drive to michigan well we, we have some uh there's a chain of lakes uh, to the west of the city and and uh there's potato creek to you know not in the city but it, it's uh 
yeah. south southwest. It sounds like you're uh, advocating for like starting a lake. Do you want to? Uh, well, the Pinhook is lake? Pinhook is kind of a lake. Yeah, I mean, of sorts. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not, but there it, are plenty of places to jump in the St. Joe River if that's what you're looking for. I'm just saying. I think if you want the dunes experience, we're gonna have to do some more work. I'm just saying that we used to have a beach there. I I had never experienced it, but it, I've seen pictures, and it looks like a fantastic time. And it's like five minutes from everyone in the city. It seems like it could be a good time. The other, I mean, we failed to annex Notre Dame. And so, you know, they kept those lakes. What else are we supposed to do? Would you want to go in those lakes? I mean, I think we could make some progress in that direction. We've gotten the city or we've gotten the river to a swim ready state. Yeah. Smart sewers. Yeah, no, it's, that's true. Uh, I just, the lakes, I, next time you're out there, take, take a look at, at what's going on in that I'm lake. Gonna, I'm going to side with the scientists over here. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, maybe, maybe these, once we get, you know, in these three to five years, we get this positive trajectory solidified. We're going to revisit some of these things. We, we want the public beach. We want the public pool. Most of these have to do with water. That's good. Yeah, no, I... Yeah. I love water and as an oceanographer uh, in, in a past life, would love to see it. That's right. You can, you can take on your, you know, post mayoral whenever that comes where you're preparing the lakes. Be, be leader of the, for the swimming, le- the lead, water coalition. Leader yeah. of the yeah. lakes. That's great. <laughs> there it is. I don't know how you could have done any better note than that. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's a good time. And I'll get working on, uh, on the lakes. Thank you. Today's episode was recorded and produced on Tut Street. South Bend on Purpose is hosted by Dustin Mix, John Gary, and me, Jacob Titus. Our intro and outro music is by Eli Khan, and all other music is by Soul Surplus. That's it for today. You can listen to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a comment or question about the show, please write to comments at westsb.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk soon.